0: The South Carolina voter told your daughter, Chelsea, quote, I think a lot of African-Americans want to hear, you know what, we made a mistake. Chelsea said she's heard you apologize, but went on to say that if the voter hadn't heard it, then, quote, it's clearly insufficient. Do you regret your advocacy for the crime bill?
1: Well, look, I, I, I supported the crime bill. My husband has apologized. He was the president who actually signed it.
2: Senator Sanders voted for it.
1: I'm sorry for the consequences that were unintended and that have had a very unfortunate impact on people's lives. I've seen the results of what has happened in families and in communities. That's why I chose to make my very first speech a year ago on this issue, Errol, because I want to focus the attention of our country and to make the changes we need to make. And I also want people, especially, I want... I want white people, I want white people to recognize that there is systemic racism. It's also in employment, it's in housing, but it is in the criminal justice system as well.
3: Welcome back, everyone. That was a long break.
2: What do you mean a long break?
3: Well, you know, the other show ended. We say we'll be right back.
2: Well, we'll be right back with part two. They can (laughs) listen to them back to back if they want to. So in case you du- you forgot, this is your girl, Jameez. And
3: your boy, Cuddly.
2: And this is Friendly Fire.
3: Once again, part two for Where is the, the NRA? NRA? We just heard about systemic racism for presidential candidate
2: yeah. Hillary. Talking R. to Clinton. white people. Because if you're not white, you already knew about systemic racism. <laughs> That's why she said white people. Because everyone else already knows.
3: Well, systemic racism doesn't affect them. That would be the whole upside, the white privilege.
2: But the sad thing is it does affect them. And they have no idea exactly how it has affected them. But it does affect them.
3: Well, true, true. Mm -hmm. And in light, um, a small recap of what happened previous episode, we basically, we talked about how the shootings in Dallas affected us. Especially me because this is I'm I'm a Texan. Dallas is in my backyard.
2: He is so ridiculous, especially him. And it would be in your front yard because we're at the bottom. And I'm also a native Texan.
3: Well, I'm facing Hello. Well, I'm facing the water. My house would face the water.
2: You're okay. Your house would face the water. So
3: it's in my backyard. Oh, okay. But <laughs> See, enough of that. The
2: back of my house would face the water. So I go down my backyard into the beach. But oh, okay. You know. <laughs>
3: I don't, I, well, how about this? <laughs> My house will face the water because I don't want to have to get up and think about going to work.
2: And hopefully when we have that dream beach house, we don't have to get up and go to work.
3: Exactly.
2: <laughs> we can work from home, doing what things we like to do.
3: Well, this show, once again, it's a steady continuation on Where's the NRA? Mm-hmm. But now we're talking about systemic racism and how these the shootings are... It has evolved from systemic racism and how it's causing that, and we've heard it from definitely. This is from the debates when it was, I think, Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. and Hillary during the the DNC
2: before the DNC. The DNC. Sorry, that's
3: happening. now. Sorry, yeah, the
2: DNC will be next week.
3: The the Democratic debates. Sorry,
2: <laughs> right, right. Trying uh, the primary debates, the run up to the. Uh, so, um, hmm. We need to know how this affects everyone, even white people. And you say that they're not affected because they kind of are shielded by white privilege.
3: Well, here's the reason why I say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying all white people, but those that definitely know that there is a great a disparity. Like I was watching this video posted by my boy at Hidden Views Network, um, where it was mm-hmm. talking about how it was a professor. In an all-white class,
2: mm-hmm.
3: asking about would any of them trade places with a black person,
2: right? Mm-hmm. And she she asked them to raise your hand if you would if you want to be black,
3: <laughs> pretty much.
2: And she's like, "Oh, I, I don't I don't think you heard me. I said raise your hand if you would like to be a black American."
3: And so mm-hmm. no and one if, raised their hands of to the course teacher. Not. So the teacher began to point out the fact that. Well, then, oh, well, you
2: know, Rachel Dolezal wasn't in the audience, so
3: well, she would have raised her head. She, <laughs> just you know. I'm just
2: saying. I'm just saying. Like the only white person who wanted want
3: to be the only one. <laughs>
2: you bless know, her heart, <laughs> she
3: really took white bands burden literally. She sure did. <laughs> but what ends up happening? She said, "Well, because she says, because you know about how there's the discrep the." Uh, the discrepancy within rulings when it comes to a justice system, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. police shootings, mm-hmm. the harassments, you guys all know about this. Mm-hmm. So by saying that if you didn't know and you would raise your hand means you're unaware of these things.
2: Right. You're completely ig- ignorant of it. But
3: because you did not raise your hand, that means you know these things are going on.
2: And you do nothing. And
3: you're doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're just as bad as mm-hmm. the situation that is occurring.
2: Right, right. Um, but see, I see it that they, of course, they know, everyone knows, but they're unaware of how that affects them. And here I think is where the rub is. Um, basically, how they're affected is that they are grown up to be afraid, to be mistrustful, to, to, to not be comfortable around the other, right? And that's a detriment to them. Because we all know being part of the other that not only are we do we have wonderful and rich cultures, but we also have you close family and friend connections. And, you know, and they're missing out on that part because they've been taught to fear what they don't know.
3: Well, um, President Obama, um, before he became President Obama and Mm -hmm. he wrote a book and he was just a professor. Mm -hmm. He was talking about how. As a black man, he had, you know, had well white grandparents he grew up with them he understood white the white world Uh but when he was in college undergrad his friends that were white didn't seem to understand how he felt out of place at these places Uh and so but they're like oh dude this is great you know come to this party and they go to a frat party but then some things that are would occur that he doesn't agree with and it made him feel really uncomfortable or you know they would make these lewd jokes Mm -hmm. or whatever and he would want to leave and if he disappeared then they would talk to him the next day like hey man where did you go Mm -hmm. you know so then he was invited and it was an all-black party he invited his two good white buddies to go with him (laughs) and within thirty minutes they're like, Hey man, well we're gonna cut out. We really wanna go. And he said, No, 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 stay. And everyone at the party was treating them well. Right. At night they you know, you're a part, but they just felt so out of their element mm-hmm. they really needed to leave. Right. And he said at that moment he was just trying to show them how he feels. how he feels when they take him to all these parties and and none he's of the only stuff, black person. He's the only black person. Right. And half the things that happen at this, all the things that happened at this black party doesn't happen at the white party.
2: Like and when,
3: what? No, well, he was just like drawing a, comp- like, you know, it's a little bit more friendly, like welcoming to everyone. Oh, But he right. felt a little bit unwelcome, but because he had the two white friends that were welcome.
2: Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. The
3: facto.
2: I got you. I got you. And we'll, we're going to get into that a little bit later, too, about what, what exactly that is. Um, but, yeah, like I said, you know, m- missing out, just just really missing out. And, you know, people ask the question. And I'm going to just break it down really quickly because they're always like, oh, you know, you got to get over slavery and Jim Crow, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, fair enough. That's in the past, right? We've moved on. We've gotten past that. We've gotten stronger. We've survived. We've been successful. Oh no, no. Nah, nah. I will survive. Sorry, <laughs> but the thing is, and what I just learned, uh, I think a couple days ago, was that there was a policy instituted by the Nixon administration to purposely dismantle the black community and the the liberal, the extreme liberal left.
3: What was this?
2: Yeah that that was that was the beginning of the whole uh, the the war on drugs.
3: Okay, mm-hmm, I get you.
2: Mm-hmm. And this and it's like but they found paperwork that actually says this because when we're together, when black people and minorities get together and when the liberal white left get together, we are forced to reckon with. He was trying to fight a war in Vietnam. He did not need all this mess going on at home. So he's like you got to go into the community and split it up. And well, that's ex- and it was very successful policy. We are still feeling it to this day.
3: Well, I honestly, I would say, well, damn. blew my mind. Jiminy crickets, mm-hmm. because
2: our president did that to. Well, us. he wasn't mine. Well, the president I wasn't around. of the United States. I mean, not, well, I know. It
3: Was I? But but um, the biggest thing is yeah. So as you point out, as we're talking about second class citizens mm-hmm. in this country, mm-hmm. this country, I mean. I'm not speaking ill of my country. I love this place. But this country seemed to work on
2: keeping somebody down for keep, you to get ahead.
3: Keeping the slave mentality alive so the mainstream society can prosper still.
2: Which is really funny because apparently it doesn't seem like the mainstream is prospering. It just not seems at like all. there's a few. We've been over this many times. But I want to tell you that slavery is not a color. A lot of people are are in the have that slave mentality, working for your company, trying to do good, accepting what they give you because you think that's all that you deserve and being happy when they give you some kind of kickback or something. When at the end of the day, the company would be nothing. Exactly. So to think that Americans purposefully don't go on vacation or when they're on vacation, they did a new survey I saw on Good Morning America about people taking their work with them on vacation. 85% of Americans take it with them on vacation. No, I'm sorry. What what do you do that you can't take time off from that?
3: Well, as I was listening to NPR, (laughs) Mm -hmm. one day going to work. Yes, people. National Public Radio. National Public (laughs) Radio. It gives you all opinions, not (laughs) just Fox
2: News.
3: (laughs) But what happened, they were talking about the same exact concept Mm -hmm. about how people take their work with them. So even if they take vacation, they're still working. Mm-hmm. They have off days, but they're still working. Right. And, they're, and we're getting, and now is even, you said 85% of Americans, but that number is almost the same where people are not taking vacations.
2: Too afraid to take vacation.
3: Well, they're not you know, too afraid because somehow we, it has been beaten into the drone's head mm-hmm. that if they leave, take time off. The ship cannot function without them,
2: or they'll be replaced.
3: Well, this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if, so think about it like this: slaves. If, if the if the ship Pay cannot slaves function, to slaves. If the ship cannot <laughs> function without you,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you start to worry if you leave, and all the amount of work that you get done. Because I'm I'm not I'm not gonna lie I fell to it too, but I did take my vacation and was like give everyone the middle finger, but. Hmm. When you have those individuals that do that and the ship is falling, they will hire someone for cheaper to put in your place. Mm -hmm. And that causes that whole fear. So you got to hold on to every little crumb that falls off the big table.
2: So I'm here to tell you that you need to separate your work life from your home life. You need to you need for your sanity. Please separate it. Don't be a slave.
3: Yes, because also, and some of you...
2: My work don't come home with me.
3: And I'm going to just say this, and I'm talking to my listeners. Some of you are slaves and don't even know it.
2: So that makes you a second-class citizen. It really does. You are working at the mercy of somebody else, and you are too afraid to take care of yourself.
3: Hold on. And I'm not even going to... I'm going to take it even one step further. Mm-hmm. Not even working for the person that's treated you like the slave that you are, mm-hmm. but you're enslaved to material things so you work at this job that you hate 40 plus (laughs) hours a week but
2: they might like it
3: oh you may enjoy it but you're like
2: people enjoy their work
3: okay some of them Mm -hmm. i'm just saying but those of you who hate your job and you go to work and you're like damn it i wish something was better but then what the first thing you do instead of trying to save money you go buy 200 hundred dollar jordans
2: because it makes you feel better at that moment about working that Job that you don't but really that's like. a
3: quick fix that's called a heroin boost, true. you get that quick fix, you feel good for a second, and when them shoes start looking raggedy, you gotta get another pair, but then you know you can't afford the two hundred dollars shoes or you think you can
2: well, you probably can, but you could probably spend that money on something better
3: so this but that's is another thing
2: that's another thing,
3: but also you hear the fight between for Im- the fight against immigrants. Um you have the situation where the um you long time ago during the civil rights movement, you had MLK Jr. working with Cesar Chavez. And these migrant workers still need their rights respected. Mm. They're they're coming here, they're working. I mean, I'm happy. Some even get taxes taken out.
2: Oh, they're all taxed.
3: But they can't get any benefits from the system that they're right. being taxed on. Right. And that there and then if you're paid by like we we're watching what with the dirty jobs?
2: I think so. It was some
3: documentary. Maybe not dirty jobs. Oh, dirty
2: jobs is a documentary. It's a show.
3: Well, it was a show about like it was this guy, he went out and he worked in the orange Like in California or
2: something? Oh, that guy who did, um, I know you're talking about, I can't think his name right now. I want to say last name Morgan. Okay. He had a TV show on CNN, but before they had a documentary about uh, eating McDonald's for a whole month straight. Something Morgan. Oh, I I I don't know. Anyways, he, he decided, he wanted to live like a migrant worker. He tries everything on the show for like a month. And so he was a migrant worker at an orange. I don't know you call it plantation orchid <laughs> I don't know but anyways that's where he worked and he had a hard time um making the minimum but there was a minimum they did that they did give him
3: oh yeah and it was just really meager pay for hard mm-hmm. hard labor mm-hmm. so as I said before some of you who do who do not know where your orange juice come from or the oranges that you snack on you got Trump wanting to say he wants to build a wall
2: oh but that's a separate issue that is a
3: separate <laughs> issue but I'm just trying to point out but that
2: I think he's they're trying to add what are you trying to point out
3: that this country was built by what the mainstream calls second class citizens mm-hmm. and but if, see, a
2: lot of the mainstreamers believe there is a second class citizenship at all. I mean that there is a second class in America like you know how a lot of Americans look down their nose at India for having the caste system oh yeah they uh, because a lot of Americans don't think that America has a caste America
3: system. has a caste system.
2: Absolutely, I mean it's easier to move between the castes than in other countries. Sure, but there definitely is a caste system. So, <sighs>
3: anything else you want to say about
2: no. systemic racism? I mean, no, we're still we're talk we're still talking about systemic racism. I know,
3: no, did, no, I know. I'm not ending the show. Yeah,
2: what did <laughs> New- Gingrich had to say about it?
3: All right, well, I'm gonna get that clip.
2: Okay. I, I think that's a good injunction, a good starting point for this conversation. You know, I, I was
3: really struck um, on both counts. I mean, first of all, something which you know and which you have to worry about with your own children uh, is that uh, it is more dangerous to be black in America. It's both more dangerous because of crime, and which is the Chicago story, but it is more dangerous in that uh, there's substantially more likely uh, to end up in in a situation where the police don't respect you, and where you could easily get killed. And and uh, I
0: think sometimes for whites, it's it's difficult to appreciate how real that is. I mean, how it's an everyday danger.
3: Those were words coming from former
2: Speaker of the House
3: Newt Gingrich.
2: Yeah, he was Speaker of the House uh, during the Clinton administration.
3: And he oh, I just you just van- I forgot the the guy's name he was just he was speaking with oh it's okay um but he's he works the guy that's also putting on a show with him he's also from cnn oh okay so that's it was important i wanted to mention his name
2: Mm, but we'll get back to it later
3: yeah i will get back to that (laughs) because you will hear from him again okay so as i was saying what did you think about what newt had to say
2: i mean i'm not surprised at what he said but i am surprised that it was him that said it um, knowing Why? what I know, okay, a lot of people don't know, but your girl Jamise was a super political nerd when I was growing up and I still am. Like I was into politics from the time I was about one or two years old, according to my grandfather, I used to cry every time Ronald Reagan came on TV. And I was not a kid that cried. So uh he thought, and I didn't even remember that. And he remember, he told me this story the week that Ronald Reagan died. And I had not, I did had not remembered anything about him whatsoever, you know. Um, and so when he told me that, I was like, interesting. So I've been very political. And I remember Newt Gingrich. I remember how uh, hateful he behaved and how he also was responsible for shutting down the government um, door in that time as well so i Clinton was time right right and i was like really surprised number one that he could be able to see past his own biases and number two that he's on this show or podcast or whatever with this other guy so it's I, interesting
3: honestly um i was surprised to hear newt mm-hmm. give some in some insight Mm -hmm. because as you said before i've heard the rants i've heard him but maybe that was more of his constituencies his the people that helped him get where he was in politics now he's not that vocal or active he Mm -hmm. now gets to speak his mind
2: i mean that is possible because he did run for president a few times as well so like twice
3: but But it didn't get very far but here's the thing that i thought um First and foremost, he felt like how white people didn't or may not understand how to live with that fear of being harassed, being possibly being shot or accidentally being shot by people who are paid to protect you.
2: I mean, to be honest, black people are less likely to be shot by the police in like a confrontation there has studies have shown this the issue is though that black people are constantly harassed in their own neighborhoods by the police force and there is some animosity that develops from that relationship
3: yeah we were watching this um town hall and they had the rapper fabulous Mm -hmm. come on and he was talking about how i mean if 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 you guys are into hip-hop you could have you could hear this back Even before N.W.A., you had Public Enemy, N.W.A., even all the way through Tupac and Biggie, where you had guys talking about issues with police in the black neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I'm even take that further. Even with Latino rappers, you hear it in that in that form of hip hop where they're talking about the harassment in the Latino neighborhood Mm -hmm. that builds that type of public relations build bad relations Mm -hmm. and it will build a mistrust Mm -hmm. between people that are supposed to be government officials who are supposed to protect you and look out for you and your neighborhood.
2: True. So, But it's interesting to see a guy who I thought would never be able to see that point of view actually talk about it but then again we have some and i think in later on in that clip and um, we're not going to play whole things so we just don't have the time but he does mention that some black police officers are disconnected and we do see that but i just want to say there are some black people spokespeople for our communities
3: who are disconnected
2: who are out of there man out of there
3: yeah i'm not going to get into any name dropping with that but yes we are Oh, who who are you saying? Oh, Ooh. sorry, I was, sorry,
2: I was thinking. We of, certainly are gonna call about. We called out Stacey Dash. We definitely gonna call out Miss Wendy Williams.
3: All right. Um right, mm-hmm. we'll give you guys a few minutes.
2: Uh We'll give them a few minutes to do what?
3: Nothing. Okay. <laughs> let me get that. Let me drop in that clip.
0: Yeah. You guys check I'll it, it out. Here's what about Wendy about Williams this. had to Wendy say about the
3: NAACP and HBCUs.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: His HBCU stands for Historically Black Colleges.
2: And universities. and
3: universities.
2: And NAACP, you guys should know that from our episode about Rachel Dolezal. Yes.
1: <laughs> that his speech was very poignant on one hand. On the other hand, you know, I would be really offended if there was a school that was known as an historically white college. We have historically black colleges. What? What if there was the N National Organization for White People only? There's the NAACP. Girl.
0: National.
1: By the way, what what is the C? Color? We're still using color? Like, I get it. Look, everybody's quiet. (laughs) You're leaving me out here to hang to dry by myself. As they (laughs) should. One wrong word. I know I'm choosing my words carefully, but what I'm saying is, racism sucks you know and we can all do
2: better in our own house <laughs> I love the person okay so this is a clip of someone recording a clip from that episode right
3: yes it was really hard to find right the clip of course you probably show. took it
2: down but the, the woman was watching it and so she's she's making those comments and so I, I that wasn't me I know it sounds like me but I completely agree with the person I've been like say what and yes, the audience. Wendy Williams has, is a talk show host. For those of you who don't know,
3: started out as a radio personality. She,
2: yes, and she is very popular. She comes on in the daytime, and uh, so a lot of people watch the show. And so her audience is very well, what quiet. What type of show
3: does she have?
2: It's just a talk show. Well, it's like celebrity like, so talk. So celebrity gossip. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch it, so you have to you have to say it.
3: Well, <laughs> I don't, okay, I've never... I have seen the show a couple times <laughs> because. I work in the evenings, mm-hmm. so when I'm up having my my morning coffee, I end up seeing like the talk, the view, and uh-huh. Wendy Williams. So Wendy Williams is more like a celebrity gossip things that she did for the radio. If you not heard, if you have not heard, so she'll talk about something that goes on with Usher and his personal life. But to me, it all sounds like specula speculations. You know,
2: is that all she does, celebrity gossip?
3: Well, I mean, she does interview other celebrities, but I mean. Uh-huh to me, i'm gonna say it like this. the clip that I'm gonna play for you guys a little later has substance. This doesn't have any substance. it's like puff t v
2: pretty much um, but she does talk about some controversial things like in this episode, what she was referring to was um the speech made by Jesse Williams at the the b e t awards where he was talking about the issues in you know that black people are facing in America right now. And uh, so she was responding to that. And he did mention supporting the NAACP and HBCUs and things like that. And she had her little thing to say. But another reporter, what's his name?
3: Roland Martin.
2: He, he actually broke it down very clearly for Miss Wendy Williams.
1: All right, check it out. I really am tired of these uh, wannabe Stacey Dashes who clearly (laughs) don't bother to actually read a book. Wendy, let me help you out. You do realize that the NAACP was founded by a mix of folks who are black and white. You do realize that the first president of the NAACP, Wendy, was white. And also, you can go down the line, the treasurer, uh, again, the chairman of the executive committee, They were white, born out of the Niagara movement. If you actually bothered to read something, you would realize that. It's also called the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. White folks have always been members of the NAACP. Always. But let me deal with HBCUs. First of all, historically black colleges and universities, Wendy, was a federal designation given in 1965 to recognize these historical universities. They are historical universities. Now, one of the reasons why you don't have historically white universities is because we just simply call them universities. The fact of the matter is you can go around the country and you'll see universities, Wendy, they're 70, 80, 90, 95 percent white. We live in a world where, frankly, we have set us set apart if you're black. You've never heard somebody say Hillary Clinton met with a group of white pastors. No, because they simply say pastors. But they'll say she met with a group of black pastors. Because what is mainstream has always been white in America, Wendy. You you, you should know that, right? Because you do know that for your show, you do know that you go to black ad agencies, which are different from and agencies. You've always seen that level of separation, Wendy. But, but you should also know that because your ratings, they separate your black female viewers from female viewers. So it's finally interesting how you can somehow criticize that. But how about this, Wendy? You ever heard of Bluefield State University, West Virginia? Historically black college and university? It's now seventy plus percent white. Lincoln University, where Thurgood Marshall went to college, and HBCU, it's now white. You do realize that one in four students at the HBCU are non-African American. That's because historically black colleges and universities have given opportunities to students regardless of color. And so more Hispanics and more poor whites are taking advantage of that. See, if you actually bother to read a book and not gossip magazines, you might know these things. Wendy, let me help you out with something. When you're on TV and you have no idea what you're talking about, shut the hell up. Don't open your mouth. Don't embarrass yourself because you sound silly. But I also find it interesting that you would criticize the HBCUs and you would criticize NAACP. But you won on the cover of Ebony Magazine. You won on the cover of Uptown. You've been on the cover of Essence Magazine. Black Magazines. Oh, yeah, I know. Stacey Dash had the exact same view. I'm tired of y'all wannabes who have television shows and radio shows who sound utterly ignorant of our own history. Please do me a favor, stick to gossip, stick stick to stupid stuff, stay out of real issues because frankly, you embarrass black people and you show you simply have never actually read a book.
2: Well, okay, well, Roland Martin, basically, he slammed Wendy Williams so much. She doesn't know her history, basically, because she, you know, the reason why, and I'm going to quickly school everybody on this, because I know a lot about this, and poor Khalif was unaware of HBCU.
3: No, don't, don't. You were. No. I knew HBCU. I,
2: I mentioned it, you're like, what is that?
3: No, because you start <laughs> dropping acronyms, and I'm like, what did he, what in the hell are you talking uh, about?
2: Anyways, so back in the day, People of color could not go to school with white people. And they wanted to create higher education in colleges. So we did because we had to create a place for our children to go when they finish high school.
3: Remember, separate but equal.
2: And so we started doing that. And then we also create the organization to kind of help us, you know, because there was an organization that was helping us. Now, here's the issue, though. They have not been only organizations so historically black college university is not only for black people everyone is welcome it just historically it was created for the opportunity for black people to have to go and just like NAACP we already know it was there's multicultural people of all ethnicities (laughs) and races who are members
3: some who are just living their lives as black people right
2: so we know that these these are not exclusive organizations and the fact that she made it sound like they were is completely incorrect
3: like he and like what he told her wendy shut the hell up
2: <laughs> but he did go on her show because she did admit to being wrong
3: yes and but well because that verbal thrashing was oh my god i swear if i find the video of it again it'll be on the facebook page
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh facebook page and on our page so come to net and check it out
2: absolutely absolutely so i mean that was just interesting to me how some people could see it a certain way but i appreciate her owning up to being mistaken about the history and why we needed those to begin well,
3: with. well also because i love roland martin's show he is always so informed so not charismatic but to the point concise and i love it Cause he'll, he'll punch you in the gut and be like, you okay, breathe. You'll be fine.
2: <laughs> well, you know, he has his information and backing and I just want to say that I hope people will still support HBCUs. It's totally your choice. Whatever color you are, you're welcome. And that's how, that's how minorities are. We will still welcome you. You know, we will still set a table, a place at the table for us. You are more than welcome to hang out with us. There's not always been a place at your table though for us, so. And by us,
3: any person that's a minority trying to.
2: second-class citizens we are talking about.
3: Trying to get in cahoots with the mainstream audience. hmm And because of that issue, it really plagues this country to the bone. Because and we got
2: to do something about it.
3: We have to stop seeing each other because, I mean, it's, it's all men are created equal. Mm-hmm that document represent everyone that is a citizen and going to be citizen of this nation. That's why people come because they believe in the ideal.
2: Maybe the economy is better than where they're coming from. (laughs) And they just come down to that green paper.
3: Well, I say it like this. The reason why I say that is because I am for, I am an ESL teacher and I teach adults and a lot of the adults that are trying to learn English, because they have to be, they have to take their proficiency test and take the citizenship test in English. So they tell me how proud they are to come to America, and the reason why because where they came from, they didn't feel like they could have a chance to make something of themselves, mm-hmm. which is what I found amazing
2: not amazing america is better than some places and worse than others that's kind of just how it is
3: <laughs> well i'm just saying
2: that it, it is what it is
3: well i mean like i was talking to one of my students and he was talking about how he's a syrian refugee and, and of course
2: that's a place that right now is worse than america
3: and so <laughs> and he just told me his story and it was i don't want to disclose that because I'm taking that he told me in private, but I'm going to mention of how it was moving to me. And he is so grateful to be here. Right. Because he has three kids and he wants to leave a legacy.
2: But for be them. careful because some of our leaders are like to send them back. Yeah. So, I mean, keep in mind with that when you're in the voting booth this November. So we're going to take a little brief little break because we've given you all these problems right where's the NRA what's going on our neighborhoods everybody white privilege and everyone is getting down but as usual Khalif and Jameez we have the solution so we'll be back with part three with the solution
3: and I'm going to leave you with these words from the clip from Newt Gingrich and the guy I cannot remember his name right now and I'm <laughs> the so guy. sorry black guy the black guy <laughs> from CNN.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right.
2: Not Lester Holt.
0: The other one. If you cried tears yesterday when that young man was bleeding out in the car, but you did not cry tears today after those cops died, that is a big signal that we are moving apart, that we're losing sense not just a common citizenship, but common humanity. Similarly, If you cried today and were outraged by the cops falling, those heroes who were shot down by a racially motivated, bigoted terrorist, but you had a little bit of closed heart towards some of these black videos, that's also a signal. When you're one country and you're one people, you cry at every funeral. You, 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 You may have a difference of understanding, but deep down inside you say, geez, do we have to have so many funerals in the country? My big hope as we go forward is that we all check ourselves and come back together and say, hold on a second. You could, and you know more history than I do, but you could wind up in a situation where, you know, you start getting so unbalanced that you actually see your fellow citizens as not just an enemy and an other, but not even a human being you have any empathy for. And once you're in that situation, that is hard to uncurdle that milk. And I think uh, advocates on both sides, I think, today need to do a gut check. How did you... you, uh, Do you not have the ability to understand the fear and the pain of both sides? Um, If you do, great. Talk a lot more. If you don't, pray a lot more.